You are listening to Justice for All, a podcast brought to you by the law offices of Scarpello and Latour. Each week, our experts provide insight on topics involving the law, entertainment, and sports. And now, without further ado, put your hands together for the host of Justice for All, Josh Scarpello and Pierre Latour. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Justice for All podcast, brought to you by Scarpello and Latour. I am one of your hosts, Pierre Latour, along with my partner, Josh Scarpello. Hello, everybody, and happy uh, Thanksgiving. Yes, uh, we are we are recording this now on November 22nd, so we're about a week away, less than a week away from Thanksgiving, uh, one of the big holidays of the year. And as the holidays approach, because we get Thanksgiving and then right into Christmas, uh, the topic we're going to be talking about this week are DUI checkpoints. Um, not not just DUI in general, but specifically DUI checkpoints. And that's because um, my understanding, not being a native of Philadelphia, is that the night before Thanksgiving, that Wednesday, is kind of a large party night. Yes, I'll, I'll field this one. Thank you, Pierre. Um, I am from Philadelphia, born and raised, and anyone from this area can tell you. And we're, I'm, in fact, surprised this is not a national phenomenon. But the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, when all the kids come back from their colleges, I went to Penn State, and all the kids are back after they're uh, you know, completing their terms. One of the biggest party nights growing up, uh, really anywhere, any time of year, is the night before Thanksgiving here in Philadelphia. And what that unfortunately also means is that there are a lot of young individuals out there probably behind the wheels of the car after they've had spent a couple hours in a bar reminiscing with all their high school chums. So we thought really as a public service announcement and as our duty to the public to try to provide some helpful tips uh, on how to stay out of trouble, but specifically with a specific situation known as a checkpoint, a DUI checkpoint. So let's start with the, with defining our terms. What is a DUI checkpoint, Pierre? Uh, a DUI checkpoint is, uh, it's just like it sounds. It's a checkpoint. The police set these up uh, anywhere in Philadelphia, usually on major intersections. I know they've had them on Cotman Ave. They've had them on Allegheny Ave. Uh, but they set up these checkpoints, and what they're designed to do is to catch people who are DUI. What the police will do is they'll force every vehicle to go through a place. They will stop pretty much every vehicle or sometimes every other vehicle, uh, and they will be allowed to walk up to you and talk to you. And what they're trying to do is to see if you may be under the influence because if, they, if you roll down your window and you speak to the officer and they smell alcohol, they see alcohol, uh, they think that you are slurring your speech or in any way inebriated. What they're going to do is they're going to pull your car out of line and begin at a DUI investigation. So the important thing to understand are is that DUI stop, a police officer normally has to have some type of what we call reasonable suspicion to begin his investigation. Either he sees you driving recklessly or he sees you commit some type of motor vehicle violation, which we discussed on a previous podcast, such right. as, you know, you don't use your turn signal or um, some other traffic violation. You roll through a stop sign. Right. Now, this is different because uh, unlike that scenario that Pierre just just um, pointed out where, 
a police officer, you may you may be unlucky that a police officer is follow, following you at the wrong time and suspects that you've violated some uh, section of the vehicle code and thus wants to pull you over. A DUI checkpoint, there are certain rules that apply to it, and we're going to talk about those rules before they uh, police are permitted to, to set up a particular checkpoint. But it's just like what it sounds. Cars on a major highway are directed through um, a checkpoint that's operated by police officers. They then randomly select, or at least they're supposed to randomly select, um, uh, individuals to stop and further investigate. Now, that's an intrusion. I mean, first of all, that's a that's a stop. That's in, in the level of interactions. That's, um, you know, that's... Right. The- You're literally being detained by the police for no good reason, right? So... Uh, and, and many times, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this have probably been through a checkpoint where you've done nothing wrong, right? And you still feel like it's an intrusion, right? There have been a couple of times in the last year myself where I've been driving home, and I live out in, in Delaware County outside of the city, in which I've been driving back from one of my kids' baseball games, and it's 10 o'clock at night, and along the road, all of a sudden, you look up, and every, every single car is being stopped by the police, and there's an interaction. Well, normally, under the law... They would say the police can't do that. The police can't stop you for no reason. But in this particular case, they are. But that is why the courts have laid out a very kind of strict set of guidelines that not many people are aware of. These are referred to the Blouse and Tarbert guidelines, which are based on uh, old uh, Superior Court cases. But this has been upheld uh, from a number of recent court cases, including most recently uh, Commonwealth versus Garibay, which was a Superior Court case in Pennsylvania out of 2014. So here they are. To be constitutional, a checkpoint must first, the vehicle stops must be brief and not entail a physical search. There must be sufficient warning of the existence of the checkpoint. Number three, there must the decision to conduct the checkpoint as well as the decisions as to time and place for the checkpoint must be subject to prior administrative approval. Number four, the choice of time and place for the checkpoint must be based on local experience as to where and when intoxicated drivers are likely to be traveling. And finally, the decision as to which vehicles to stop at the checkpoint must be established by administratively prefixed objective standards and must not be left to the unfettered discretion of the officers at the scene. That's I'm quoting verbatim from, from Garibay. Right, and we're going to go in. I want to talk a little bit about those uh, rules. The first rule that, we're, that uh, we're going to talk about is the length of the stop itself, the intrusion itself. It must be brief. Pierre, go on. You can talk a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm just going to point out real quickly that the, for these first two rules, this is not really the area of litigation you see a lot of you know uh, court decisions on. They're fairly straightforward, and they're usually followed. Number one, that the vehicle stop must be brief and cannot entail a physical search. What does that mean? Well, it means that you know they they can't stop your vehicle and take five minutes talking to you, right? Basically, what you're going to see at a checkpoint is they want to keep the flow of traffic going. They want to stop as many cars as possible. So it basically involves them, you know, knocking on your window. You roll the window down, and they and they're going to be, they're going to say something like, "How you doing tonight, sir? You know, we're just running a checkpoint here. You having a good night? You know, had anything to drink? Something along those lines." They're just looking, as we said before, for those telltale signs of intoxication. Do they smell alcohol? When you when you when you speak to the officer, is your speech slurred? Can they see any alcohol? Is there anything else they're going to see? 
you know, obviously the cops can't just simply stop your vehicle and say, get out of the car, I'm going to search it, right? The, the problem with this kind of rule is, is that the minute you roll down your window, if you've got an open can of beer and you're like, how you doing, officer? Um, <laughs> that gives them enough to search your car then, right? What, what this says, rule number one just says they just can't automatically search it before they've even spoken. And again, to the justification for that is because unlike a car stop where they've seen you do something wrong, this is not that scenario. Right. You haven't done anything wrong right now. You just happen to be driving down a road where the checkpoint has been set right. up. So the law says if, if the police are going to do a checkpoint, any intrusive stop must be as you know as brief as necessary to effectuate the you know the result, which is they want to try to you know pick out and find and and find people that are driving under the influence. Um, but because they're dealing with the entire public, it would be unfair to stop the entire public for long periods of time and make them do sobriety tests or any kind of um, you know breathalyzer test. So now, rule number two: there must be sufficient warning. What does that mean, Pierre? <sighs> This is like an old law school thing about like posting, um, you know, in the old days, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the old days where in the old days, it meant you had to put an ad in the newspaper. Most listeners out there, you're listening to a podcast. You probably haven't held a newspaper in years. Nobody even buys newspapers anymore. So the new thing is they just post something on the internet, right? Whether it's on the Inquirer webpage or something, this is a very low standard, all they have to do is basically demonstrate that at some point they put notice to the public that on such and such future date, this Saturday night at the corner of, you know, Frankfurt Torsdale Avenue, there will be a police DUI checkpoint set up between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. They put that on the Internet. They put it in the local paper. They put it in the Inquirer, whatever it is. Doesn't matter whether you read it or not. Doesn't matter if they, you know, gave any other type of advance warning. As long as they have published it, they have satisfied that prong. It's not a really big issue. You don't see a lot of litigation on that. And, so, and if you look on the internet, if you just do a Google search, DUI checkpoints, you know, area DUI checkpoints, you'll find um, various different websites that will give you specific information Did you on find one that's coming up right yeah, now. Yeah, I found one here. So I found this I'm looking at a DUI block.com. This is a private website, but uh, they're an agency that gets this information which is public. And if you if you go to to this website, you'll see scheduled checkpoints. Then most the the the, the most current one coming up is Friday, November 22nd. That would be tonight. It's tonight in Lancaster. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So everybody, if you're out in Lancaster, be By the on way, the lookout. it's in Lancaster. I will point out it says at an undisclosed location. So <laughs> even though we just told you that this is not one that's litigated, I'm not sure if that gives you sufficient warning. If if Lancaster is telling you someplace in the county we're doing a checkpoint, no, I think uh, I think I might challenge that based uh, on that notice. Uh, example number two is right <laughs> below it, though, in Bucks County, on November 1st from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m at the intersection of Southeastern Road and New Britain Road, all right. right, an area of North Britain. Now, that's specific enough. And that's normally the notice you will see, is they will advise the public of the date, the specific location, and the times in which the checkpoint will be set up. And as long as they do that, they've satisfied this rule. Now, you know, just uh, speaking from experience, these checkpoints are always going to be at night, correct, Pierre? Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, they're they're almost they're almost always on a weekend. They're usually and this will this will dovetail into these other rules. They're almost always on a weekend, a Friday or Saturday night, and they're almost always over the overnight. Like so, usually from starting at nine or ten o'clock at night and running until maybe one or two in the morning. We like to tell our young drivers out there, um, you know, nothing good happens in a policeman's mind after ten o'clock at night. Uh, meaning, you know, the, the rest of the world quiets down. Your local police officer that's working is either probably work, you know, specifically looking for drivers that may be intoxicated or is, in fact, you know, working at a checkpoint like this. But the advice is you have to be careful on the fri- on Friday, Saturday, and even Sunday nights if you're going out on a big night like the night before Thanksgiving. How do the police, Pierre... Decide. Um, is there a case law that says how they can decide or what factors they use to decide where a specific checkpoint will be established, like what location? Yeah, and, th- and this is the, really the area where you most often see a problem for the government, right? Because the next rule is the decision to conduct a checkpoint, as well as the decisions for time and place for the checkpoint, must be subject to prior administrative approval. That just means that the cops just can't go out and you know decide on their own, hey, we're going to set it up right here. Here's the big one. Uh, number four, the choice and time of the choice of time and place for the checkpoint must be based on local experience where and when intoxicated drivers are likely to be traveling. And that's the big one here, okay? Because there's a lot of cases out there. What, what this means is this, okay? Um, if you are arrested for a DUI as a result of being stopped at a checkpoint, okay, your your best chance is to get the court to win the case. Your best chance is to get the court to declare the checkpoint itself unconstitutional for not following the Blouse and Tarbert guidelines. And your best chance for winning that argument is to argue that the government or the police has failed this requirement. And why is that? Because... What you see a lot of times, right, is that when you bring the motion to suppress, you're arguing that the checkpoint is unconstitutional. What that does is it immediately places the burden on the government to establish through the motion to suppress in front of a judge that the checkpoint was in fact constitutional. So they have to establish point number four, which is they have to call a police officer, usually a sergeant or a supervisor who can tell the court, okay, this is where we set up the checkpoint. Let's say Frankfurt intersection of Frankfurt and Torsdale Ave. Everybody knows where that is, all right? And then they're going to have to tell the court, this is why we set it up there. And this is where the government actually has to bring in statistical data, right? right? The government has to bring it in and say, listen, not only were there, let's say there were a thousand DUI arrests made in Philadelphia for the for the month of you know, August 2019. And of those thousand, we found that, let's say, 300 of them occurred near Frankfurt and Torsdale Ave or on Frankfurt Ave or on Torsdale Ave. Something to that. They have to establish a nexus to the location, right? They can't simply place a checkpoint someplace where there is no data to support that having a checkpoint there is designed to actually catch people who are driving while intoxicated. And here is what happens all the time. And this is in the case law, and I've had it personally myself, is which many times the district attorney assigned to your case 
doesn't know what a checkpoint motion is, hasn't really prepared for a checkpoint motion, or is relying on a police officer who says, oh, I know how to handle this, don't worry. And they get on the stand, and what they start doing is spouting off on a bunch of statistics about the number of DUIs in the particular county, whether it's Philadelphia County or Bucks County or Chester County, whatever it is. And what the courts have consistently said, and again, this is why you need an attorney who knows what he's doing, right? Because the, the questions that get asked on cross are what win or lose these motions, right? As long as you, as you can establish that record and make that argument and say, listen, judge, you know, we, the government called Sergeant Smith or whoever it was from the police department, and he went on and on about all these statistics for the number of arrests. He never linked it specifically to the location where the checkpoint was in my client's case. Right. And if the judge is following the law, big if sometimes but if the judge is following the law right there they have failed you know prong number four here and this isn't a you know you get to pick a couple right this is set out by the courts of pennsylvania you have to meet every single one of them you trip the government up on any one of these five requirements you win but this is this is the money shot right here on the on these types of cases right you get you get a government who's unprepared and either doesn't produce that, right, which will happen, or simply puts out kind of vague statistics about the number of, you know, DUIs that they get or number of arrests that they've made, but can't specifically link it to your location where the checkpoint was, you're going to win that case. Right. If you've been arrested as the result of going through a DUI checkpoint, the the challenge will come in the courtroom where you'll bring that police officer in and your defense attorney, like Scarpello and Latour, would file a motion to not to not to suppress your arrest, but let's let's assume you go through the checkpoint, you're stopped, they take you back, they do a breathalyzer, and you're over the legal limit in Pennsylvania, which is 0 .08 blood alcohol content. DUI has two major two main elements, and it's a tough case to win if you're a trial lawyer: drunk and driving. That's what they have to prove. Now. The driving is, is most times self-evident, depending on the case. The drunk part, though, is where you could successfully defend yourself in court. What Pierre has been laying out with all these rules are considerations that the judge will look at when your defense attorney, Scarpell and Latour, file a motion to suppress your blood alcohol content or, your if there was a blood draw, to suppress the results of what was in your blood. That's called a motion to suppress evidence. The basis for that motion in a DUI checkpoint scenario is could be a violation of any of these five rules that we're talking about here. Because again, unlike a scenario where a police officer has observed you driving and thinks that you're doing something wrong, this is this is the opposite. This is randomly stopping anybody that comes through that, you know, a roadblock essentially. And before the courts will allow you to do that. They set the, the bar pretty high. They, the, these rules are hard and fast rules. So if the intrusion is too long, if there was not sufficient warning given to the public that the DUI checkpoint w was going to be held on a certain night, if the time and place does not match up with the statistics of DUIs in that area, meaning they can't just pick any old spot. The policy be behind a DUI roadblock is that Based on driving statistics and accidents and stops, a community knows that certain areas within that community are, are prone to DUI drivers. And the government has to show that if you go into court. 
And again, this protects you from the government, from the police, overstepping their bounds and stopping you for absolutely no reason. And these aren't rules that we expect the average layperson to understand, but that's why God invented lawyers, and that's why Scarpello and Latour is here to help people in these often tricky scenarios and defend them in court when, you know, you need to have this kind of knowledge. Now, we've gone through, I think, four of the five rules here concerning DUI roadblock stops. The last would be, I guess, Pierre, the one we didn't touch on would be the decision to stop, how to, how to decide yeah. who to stop. The, 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 yeah, that's exactly right, Josh. It's it, the, the last one is that they're just the decision about who to stop can't be arbitrary and it has to be established ahead of times and can't be left to the officers at the checkpoint. All that really means is is that whoever they decide to stop, it can't be essentially arbitrary, right? So they can't just be looking around and being like, you know, we're just going to we're just going to stop guys in sports cars or we're just going to stop men or we're just going to stop women or we're just going to stop whoever, right? It has to be an, an objective standard that's set up ahead of time. And again, this isn't a big area of litigation because what the police have figured out, the easiest way to get around this, you know what it is? We're going to stop every car. That's what they do. I mean, yeah. there are some times where the traffic is busy enough, they've, they'll just do every other car, but they don't want to really do that. So what the police have done to get around this requirement, or, you know, I say get around, I guess the, the more, the fairer term would be comply. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the way they comply with this rule is simply say, okay, the decision that we're going to make ahead of time, objectively is that we are going to stop every single car that comes to the checkpoint. All right, so that is a brief synopsis overview of the law of DUI checkpoints. Really, DUI roadblocks is what they should be called because that's what they are. Pierre, uh, will you be traveling for Thanksgiving? I will. Uh, I will be going down to the shore for uh, the family usually gets away to the shore. Uh, for a little, uh, little turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce. What's your favorite part of the meal? My favorite part of the of thanks besides the meal? Cowboys game. Uh, besides the Cowboys game, oh, geez, that <laughs> another gives, great Thanksgiving tradition that only gives me indigestion. Um, I am a uh, turkey, mashed potatoes, Ooh, and potatoes. Uh, gravy kind of guy. Gravy all over. Everything. Yeah, I can picture you putting gravy. In everything. <laughs> sounds, sounds about right. <laughs> All right, so from Scarpello and Latour's families to your family, have a wonderful and safe uh, Thanksgiving holiday if you're traveling. If you get in trouble on the roads, remember, the first thing you need to do if you've been arrested or charged with a crime is to call a competent attorney like Scarpello and Latour. 215-732-0460 or on the web, we are at www.com. Philly Best Defense, that's all one word, phillybestdefense.com, Scarpello and Latour, your one call to take care of all of your DUI needs, especially if this holiday season you find yourself at a DUI checkpoint. Have a wonderful holiday, everyone. Take care, everybody.